Hello and welcome back to the Tizzy Wire podcast episode 13. 13 episodes in, 13 episodes more to come, and more than that. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening to me and the spiel that is in my brain right now. I have a lot of spiels in my brain. And rather than catching you guys up, I've done enough catch-up episodes. I want to talk about the next, the next topic that's in my mind. And that is based on some of the music that I've been working on. How I'm getting back on my feet after a long haul of having vocal issues, I still have vocal issues, and I haven't spoken to many people other than today in a really long time because I'm trying to do that. I'm saving all of my voice for these episodes. And as I've been going through that process of just not speaking, it causes you to be a bit more reflective. And what's been in my mind as I've been doing a lot more reflecting through the silence of my day, has been on influences. I was lying, I was lying awake one night, it was a couple nights ago, and I was looking back at times of my life where I had really pinnacle moments of things that really influenced me as an artist and as a musician, specifically as a musician. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I've always been a musician. I've always done art as well. I've always done lots of other different kinds of things. But the very first thing that I always ever did was music. And it's hard sometimes when you really look back and you find those pinnacle moments. You There are right answers to those questions that sound very snappy. And then there are real answers to those questions. And I realize that there are very specific moments in my life where I can pick moments where a shift happened mentally that changed the way that I see music, that changed the way I see my life, and changed the way I want to shape music moving forward. So I started listing some of them out, and actually I realized I left out one, and I'm going to cover that, actually, because there's another one that was very, very specific. But I think that those moments in general um, are very important because when you have times where you just feel a little bit lost or you feel like you need to figure out what you want to do and what you want to make, or maybe you go through a long period of writer's block, which is something I went through, it's you can look back and see those things that influence you and understand just how much power those moments had. And in a way, it kind of lifts you up. It elevates you to feel something that you've felt before. More than nostalgia, because that influence is still current. I, I don't think those influences really ever go away. I think they become ingrained in our internal mental mapping. And I think that they just sort of evolve. And you can see this in other artists as well. Not just musicians, but all artists. You can see their shape evolve. Um, I remember when I was young, my mom took me to a one of the first art galleries that I'd ever been to. And it was in the Adirondacks. I can't remember, remember the name of it. I think it was literally like the Adirondack Art Museum. 
and she introduced me um they had a whole ex exhibit on an artist called harold weston and it got me thinking about it because my mom sent me all of these like things from when i was in high school <laughs> and you know moms do that they just like say hey here's like a box of stuff that you haven't thought about in 20 years i thought you might want to have all of this stuff and nor sometimes i'm just like oh god where am i going to put all of this but i had a print from that museum that i had picked up and i had forgotten that i had had this print and i remember it really speaking to me at that time and i remember the feeling that i had when i saw the painting live and i remember getting the print and thinking and this looks nothing like the actual painting but i want this to signify this was a very important moment in my life where i witnessed art and it genuinely moved me and i remember seeing the evolution of this artist and how he evolved from having a very specific style that was kind of loose with very thick lines it was almost sort of sort of cartoonish and impressionistic and and very very bold and 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 wide and bright and i don't know how else to describe it because i'm not a trained artist i don't have very articulate um verbs to go with the art that i am inspired by i just have visualizations in my mind and anyway i i have to link to the artist at some point at the end of this podcast but I remember watching the evolution of his art and how he how he evolved into a much more precise style over the time of his life and all of the different styles that he evolved into and it all ended up with a final piece with his final pieces having some sort of influence from the past in there while also being very different. And I think I've talked about this in the past where where we see those evolutions and we see how it all comes together to build a cohesive story about who a person is. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about my own influences since that's what's been on my brain and see what, and I want to ask to you, what are the things that influence you and have you lost touch with them? How do you think that they, you pull those things back into your life? And do they still shape you in the same way that they once did? Or have they, have they uh, faded away to not being quite as significant as they once were? I I'm curious about that. And I'd like to get some feedback from you guys um, if you would be willing to share that with me. But anyway, so as far as my influences go, I mean, I know that I've talked about this in the past, but my mom is a musician. And I would say that she probably was the first influence of my life. I mean, you can't grow up in a musical family and not have your family be your first influence. I mean, it, it just was. I, I was singing in the car. This is what I was doing, singing in the car to get started. I remember that just slowly evolved to harmony. And then over time, I was just learning songs and singing with my mom on stage occasionally. I was probably about as young as like six years old or so. And just wanting to become more involved in it because I was curious. And I just, I went to a school that was kind of a, um, uh, like a, like pre-elementary school, like, like a daycare almost, <laughs> preschool and pre-preschool. Um, it was a school called Children's Hour. And that school 
was very artistic focused and it was kind of new agey in a way and they had a lot of professors there teaching courses to the students and we would learn things like art and science was going into the woods and stuff and we would sing a lot of like the American songbook and 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 folk music and and that was a lot of what we would sing rather than you know I'm a little teapot I mean that was the music I grew up with I will tell you that the music that I grew up with shaped me so much as a child that I didn't even know that modern pop music was happening that's how that's how my universe was constructed like I literally didn't know that there was modern music like I didn't know about the music that was happening at, during that time period of the early 90s had no clue that that was going on all I knew about were Celtic musicians bands such as like the Woods Tea Company <laughs> and that that whole vibe that was all I knew up until a few years into elementary school when I went to public school so so much of that was my roots and is my roots and there's no escaping that that will always be a central part of me folk music and Celtic music, music from the Great American Songbook, all of that stuff was my foundation, my baseline coming into this world <laughs> as a musician. Because that was all I knew for, I don't know, probably a good 10 years. <laughs> I mean, that's a long time. That's a third of my life, people. A little, le little less than a third of my life, but close to it. <laughs> I mean, that it's crazy to think about that. That, that like that first third of my life nearly was just that and there's no escaping that that is a core piece of me that will always be there and it is part of my blood and will never really ever fade and so that's probably my first major influence I mean the second one and one that's less obvious <laughs> oh god this is just so embarrassing but it is so true and so real that I had to include it here so okay <laughs> I know I talked about an inspiration in the inspiration podcast episode about how I still enjoy listening to Enya well there's a reason it's a backstory behind where the Enya thing came into play and for a lot of people Enya came into play probably in like high school or college or something like that no no, that's not where <laughs> Enya came into play for me. First of all, my, my mom had no interest in Enya. This was completely a self-discovery. And it was completely discovered by marketing. <laughs> Some of you guys might be young enough to remember, or old enough to remember, or might have been paying attention, when there were commercials on TV for a mixed tape Yes, mixtape, and this is what I had. And CD set, I think it even might have been a record at the time. I don't even know if it was a CD. Anyway, there was a ton of marketing towards this new age compilation called Pure Moods. And it was on TV everywhere. And it was on all the time. And they would do those snippets of, hey, great hits, like, and then they would play you a sna snippet of this, of one of the tracks. And then you go to the next track, and then you go to the next track, and you hear it. And I had... 
I remember watching this and like I have never heard music like this before but there's a unicorn dancing in the background and I am 12 years old and if I do not get my hands on this damn tape I am never going to be a complete human again <laughs> oh, god. oh my god so yes I begged my mom probably after the 50th time I'd seen the stupid commercial I begged my mom I said mom I have to have this and I remember the commercial came on and I dragged my mom to the TV to show her this commercial and she looked at me like really Josie <laughs> this is the thing that you really want and I'm like yes mom this is going to be my first tape that I own and it was pure moods was the very first tape that I owned and I listened to that damn thing every damn day <laughs> And I loved it. I was just obsessed with it. It was just my world. It was where I would meditate to. It was my grounding. I just fell in love with it so much that I bought the second one and the third one. And you know what? I kind of wish I knew where those albums were because I kind of still like them. <laughs> so that is the truth. That was a huge moment in music for me was that album. And I'm sorry if that was the most stupid and embarrassing thing ever, but it is absolutely true story and I think it's ridiculously funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was probably the next big one. And after that, I would say the next one was shortly after I started taking vocal lessons from a professional coach. And that had to do with I started doing solos in school. I was probably in middle school, 13 or 14. And the vocal instructor that I was taking, she was such a lovely lady. And she was she had a lot of different kinds of mish, mishmash things that she wanted me to learn to find out what I really liked. And she, she played me a few like Disney songs and said, do you want to sing this song? And I was like, not really. I'm not really a big Disney person. I'm sorry. Um, and then I think I was trying to go back to figuring out where, what it was that keyed this off, but I think she brought out Gershwin. And I think that that was the moment that I realized I loved jazz. And at the time, my, um, my grandmother and I were starting to become closer and she and I started to talk about the things I was learning in my vocal coaching class. And it was a moment where I simultaneously was learning jazz and also getting to know my grandmother in a very deep way. And that brought some realness to jazz that I feel like not many young people get, but it was just a connection with a person and understanding what jazz was in its time and also what it meant to me and how real it really was. And that was kind of my next big influence was I realized that I genuinely loved jazz for everything that it was, for as corny as some of it is, and, and, and how, I don't know, how on the nose, at, but, but at the same time, just how romantic it is. It, it, it just spoke to me in a way that I, I couldn't really represent in any other way. And to this day, there's no other kind of romantic music that really speaks to me other than jazz. If I'm listening to a romance song, most of the time it's going to be jazz. Um, there are a few exceptions to that, but for the most part, that's where I go. That's my go-to place. Um, so yeah, jazz 
that influence probably around the age of 14. That was probably the next one. And then shortly after that was classical music. Um, and I, I really didn't have much of a connection to classical music with the exception of the fact that I did a um, the first big concert performance that I did that wasn't in a s like a school or like a you know a high school setting um, was at the uh, was with Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra and it was in a sort of a Christmas concert thing that a bunch of high school students could like audition and be a part of and and do this Christmas concert at the Eastman a concert hall in Rochester and Rochester, New York. And that one was the first time I realized just how powerful music could really be. And I remember s singing and crying as I was singing and not being able to sing because I was crying the entire time I was singing and knowing at that moment that that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was music. That was the moment. And it's surprising because that was the one that I almost forgot about as I was pulling together this list was that moment with the Rochester Philharmonic. And I don't know why I forgot about that one, but it was huge. And it was the reason why I chose to get classically trained in college was that moment. And I think it's because after that moment, I didn't have another big moment again for a very long time. Um, when I went to school, and I do want to get into school at some point on a larger scale, I expected to be inspired all the time and be surrounded by artists in the way that I had been in that moment with the Rochester Philharmonic, just feeling a sense of an aura around me and feeling elevated and just wanting to cry all the time with how powerful everything just felt around me. I thought that that was what music school was going to be because there I was in the Eastman School of Music performing. And I felt like that's, that's, that's just where you need to be. That's where you need to be. That's where your life needs to be. Except when I went to school, it wasn't like that. And maybe, maybe that's an influence in and of itself because what music school actually ended up being for me was not what I expected it and not what I experienced on that stage and I was never really able to recapture that moment ever again. I don't know, it was something that was captured in time that I still carry with me but I never really had that moment again. The only time it ever came close was as I was ending the end of music school and finally was allowed to do the music that I really wanted to be doing. Um, my instructor finally started to get a vibe for what I was into. She kind of was vibing with me for like four years trying to figure out what was making me tick, what was going to excite me on stage. And she turned me on to this uh, composer called Kurt Weil, and some of you guys probably know about him, and if you don't, um, he was uh, the composer for Three Penny Opera, and I guess that's the most common one that people can reference. And when I heard him, it instantly sunk in. I was like, yes, this is, this is it. This, finally, I've spent four years in school feeling uninspired by what I'm singing. And finally, in my last semester, I have a moment to do something with this music. And I loved it, and I loved that music. And I, uh, it did, it's still a part of me that, early sort of burlesque style of music of that early 20th century sound and it was just really powerful to me 
but also kind of sad because finally finding the music that I love and a new discovery, I suddenly no longer could play with it in the medium that, you know, in school. I could no longer play with it in school because school was over. <laughs> um, and then it kind of flatlined for a very long time. Other than some influences that my husband gave me, where he turned me on to heavy metal, and specifically Nightwish, I think, was the big one for me, um, which showed me that you could pair something like classical music and opera singing to, with, with heavy metal. Since I didn't even really understand what heavy metal was, and then there I was, and this is, you know, the Taria Turnin days, where they haven't uh, had an opera singer lead. Um, I had never really considered that, and it was something that I considered for a very long time like is this the kind of music that I want to be making and in a way now we're, we're here 15 years later from that point where do I want to take my influences next I realize I've had a good lag of time of new influences and things that have truly changed not just my typical inspiration places where I try to find muse but it's been a long time since I've had a moment where this is a defining moment in the way I see music and where I want to take it. I haven't had that moment in a really long time. And I think that might have been one of the reasons why I took such a long time to get back into it. Because I just didn't know what it was. And what I've realized is is that every time I've had one of those moments, it was really when I was pushing myself beyond a comfort zone, putting in myself in a place where I'd never been before, and was putting everything on the line, really putting my, my vulnerability on the line every single time. Whether I was a child, whether I was just starting to learn how to professionally sing, or reaching out to my grandmother, or going, you know, having my profound moment first time on the big stage, or finally finding music in a place where I didn't really feel like I fit in and trying to finally share it with the world after four years of, of not feeling like I had anything to share to that community. I feel like I'm ripe. I feel like it's, it's time to find that next great influence in my life. And I think that that's kind of what Tizzy Wire is about, <laughs> is that Tizzy Wire has become a medium for me to keep my momentum going and keep myself accountable as I move forward so that I don't quit, because I think I'm very close to something. I don't want to quit before I find that next moment of really true influence and how important each of those stages of influence was to me it makes me want it that much more I I just I, I want to experience that again but it's scary <laughs> I'm not gonna lie it's scary so anyway I mean that is the tizzy that is the tizzy that's in my brain right now I am looking for that next big moment. And I've been playing with music again. And I'm enjoying it. And I've been f 
feeling roadblocks here and there. I'm like, it's just, I'm not getting the flow. I'm not getting the flow that I need. I, I, I'm just, oh, I get so frustrated. But, you know, my, uh, my husband said to me, it's like, you just don't quit in those moments. You don't quit in those moments. You just keep going, even when you're not running at 100%. So I'm going to keep going. I'm keep going until I find that next big moment. And maybe, just maybe, it's right around the corner. And maybe it's right around the corner for you. But I think vulnerability is key here. And as adults, as adults in this world, when we're kids, it's so much easier to be vulnerable because that's just how our natural state is. But as adults, we like to pretend sometimes that we are not vulnerable, that we don't fail, that especially in the day of social media where we can Instagram and throw a filter over everything in our lives, we like to pretend that we have it together when most of us don't. <laughs> most of us don't. Most of us are a hot friggin' mess. And I think that the more honest we can be about that with each other, the more likely we can have those bigger influences in our lives. Because I think that's how we find them. And I'm hoping that's how I will find mine. But anyway, that's the tizzy for today. I will talk to you guys soon. And I will have more interviews. But right now I need to work on vocal healing. And it might little be a little bit <laughs> until that healing happens. So stay tuned. I will try to find more muses for you guys in the meantime while that healing happens. But anyway, thanks for listening in again to the spiel that is in my brain. It is Tizzy Wire. Anyway, thank you for coming back. And as always, take care, y'all. You've been listening to the Tizzy Wire podcast. New episodes out weekly. You can find out more about us or the artists that have been on the show at tizzywire.com. Or you can reach out via social media at Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at all of the Tizzy Wire handles. Or you can reach out to us via email at tizzywire at gmail.com if you want to be on the show or have any questions about the show. Anyway, thank you so much, and I hope you tune in next week.